figuring out family hope all as well. This week, John Cassidy joins us again on the podcast for an in-depth discussion about his experience at TaylorMade's The Kingdom, which is their performance fitting center in Carlsbad, California. Huge TaylorMade fan, super jealous. You know, going to The Kingdom is something that's uh, on my golf bucket list. So, John, next time you go, man, let me get an invite. Anyway, so John walks us through his entire bag, uh, what he's playing for the season. He's been playing really well, so the fitting has worked. Uh, love to see that. Then we kind of get into John's philosophy on how to most efficiently practice. You know, everyone has a busy schedule, so he gives us a lot of great tips on how to, you know, effectively get better in a short period of time, which we which we love to see. So you can contact John uh, via email at. I guess not at, I mean, it's an email, right? I'm used to Instagram. So you can contact John via email. His email is john.cassidy at thehomecourse.com. Send him an email. Tell him you listen to the pod. I think he does uh, virtual lessons. I'm not 100% sure, but just hit him up. Um, Great guy, great instructor. But on top of that, he's a great player. And like, if you're going to get a golf lesson, you might as well go to someone who's a stud and John is that man. So also, if you're a new listener, uh, my name is Daniel Badaraco. At the end of the day, my mission is to provide you with new and interesting perspectives in the world of golf, uh, try to bring you as much value as possible, try to bring on interesting guests, you know, who can teach you something at the end of the day. Uh, I want to be a value add to your life. I want you to incorporate me into your podcast uh, rotation. So check out my other interviews. Um, they're pretty, pretty diverse, pretty uh, proud of my catalog of interviews. And I look forward to keep, you know, keeping the ball rolling, keeping the momentum going. So do me a favor. Give me five stars on Spotify. Give me five stars on Apple Music. Give me five stars on Google Podcasts. Wherever you consume podcasts, would appreciate a little love. I hope you enjoy this episode with John Cassidy. John, I really appreciate you, man. You're always welcome to come on. The people love you. Uh, We appreciate your insights. And here's the episode. John Cassidy, how's it going? Good, Daniel. How you doing, my man? Pumped to have you on, dude. You're the uh, you know the third reoccurring guest, so you're the uh, most reoccurring guest to have have been on the pod. So the people love you. Hey, we're back at it. We're back at it. So kind of catching up, dude. I mean, you're wearing the tailor-made hat. How was the kingdom? We didn't really get to talk about the kingdom. Uh, what was that like? Because a lot of guys, I mean, tailor-made's huge now, right? Everyone loves tailor-made. We see it everywhere. My favorite brand. And everyone just dreams about the kingdom. But what's it like to actually go there? Can you kind of take us through that? I mean, it's pretty cool. You know, they treat you pretty good. They get you got your name on your plaque down there and they're ready for you. So your names are on the screen and everything. But the coolest thing is just, I mean, I learned a lot about fitting while I was there working with those guys that are working with the best players in the world and fitting every single day. And um, I can honestly say I've never been as dialed in on my clubs as I am right now, like through the set. I love every single club that's in my bag. And um, it was a a really cool experience. I learned a lot, got dialed in on my clubs. It's cool, obviously, being down there in California when up here in the Northwest, we've just had terrible weather. And so getting down in the sun and and getting those guys to help you, it's its a great, great resource for sure. Yeah. So Absolutely. let's, before we get into it in depth, did you get your in and out? Did you get that in and out order? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, for, of course, of course. Okay. We, uh, twice, in fact. Okay. We, we got it on the, when we got there, and then we got some more on the way out. Yep. Uh, what's your order at in and out dude? <laughs> yep. I go double double. I just go double double with cheese and onion with the with the pink lemonade and the fries. Yeah, I'm uh, all day. Dude, you're making me all day. It's funny, people who don't like In and Out, I don't get it. Yeah. You're making me hungry, man. You're making me hungry. All right. So so when you think about okay, you talked about like getting dialed, right? And dude, you've been on the Canadian tour, like you're a freaking stick. Everyone knows mm-hmm. it. So when you think about just like normal fittings you've had. Versus going to the kingdom and mm-hmm. getting dialed like that. Talk about that. Like, how is it different for mm-hmm. the average guy? And, and But also, how is it different for you as a pro? I mean, I think the biggest difference is, I mean, they just have everything there. I mean, they got every shaft, every head, every like length. I mean, they've got different loft head. They just have every single tool you would need to get fit. And they they just really understand the fitting process. You know, and so 
there's there's things that like I was talking with Dwayne was the guy that fit me and we were just having conversations about you know how when a shaft is stiffer in the in the grip and how it feels in your hands versus if it's stiffer in the tip and what it tends to do your ball flight and and then matching that up with different swings and so different shaft profiles are going to work different for different swings whether they load it fast, load it late, unload it quick. Like all those things go into how this club performs more than just, is it a stiff shaft? Is it an extra stiff shaft? You know, there's, there's a bit more that goes into it with, with the things they're able to do, you know, to get the, get the ball to fly. Right. Um, but it, it's really just, you're going to guys that are experts in the field of what they do. I mean, you're not going to get fit better than the staff guys that are at, the kingdom or at that Titleist place or Callaway's place, you know, they're the best in the world. And um, they just have a really, really good understanding of how these components work compared to different types of golf swings. Mm -hmm. And then just having all the different shafts and heads and everything there, it's, it's just super efficient, you know, and you're hitting, you're hitting tailor-made balls, you know? And so it's, it's about as efficient as it can get as far as getting fit for sure. So I want to get in deeper. So like, take me through there. So you walk in, right? It's in Carlsbad. You walk in and like, well, then what? Yep. Cause mm -hmm. you see it on TV. It's like the, all the guys go who are sponsored by well, I mean, there's like a locker room, freaking Tiger Woods bags there with like the monster, yep. like take us through everything yep. from like, you know, you having crushed your in and out and your pink lemonade in hand, you're walking through those doors. And then what happens? Well, this is actually what happened. And so we had gotten there. Our flight had gotten in a little bit late because leaving out of Seattle had frosted. So we were like an hour late getting out of Seattle. And so when we flew in, we were going to be pretty tight on time of getting to the fitting. Mm -hmm. And Greg Manley, who's the who's a director at the Kingdom, he runs the Kingdom. He's from the Pacific Northwest. I think he started that job about a year ago. And so he knew we were coming. And he actually was like, hey, you guys want any lunch? What do you want? So he actually went and picked us up in and out. So when we got to the Kingdom... They already had an In-N-Out burger there for us. So we got in there. Dude, Tiger doesn't even have In-N-Out. In -N -Out. And everybody that goes there, <laughs> they uh, when we when you go in there, everybody kind of loads up. They, they, they've got Tiger's bag in there, and they've got a couple other lockers there. So they put your bag in there, and it's got your name over it. Um, on the big screen on the TV, it's got Welcome John Cassidy, Shane Franny, Mitch Rungi. Um, you kind of go in there and, and for a little bit, we were just kind of catching up with Greg, you know, we were in his office talking a little bit, which is a little different than probably how it would usually go, mm -hmm. but ate our food, went out and met our fitters. Um, they take your bag outside. So you're going to have your own little station with your name plate on it. You got your golf balls there, your tailor-mades, perfect grass. I mean, you're just, in, it's just perfect out there. And so you warm up a bit and they watch you hit balls. Um, and they're kind of looking at your gear, looking at how you hit it. And then essentially, you know, they just, they start bringing out options to you. You know, they don't tell you a lot. I mean, I think if you want to know more, they'll let you know more. And if you don't want to know more, they'll kind of just shuffle some stuff through there, but give you some different options. You run through it, start with the driver, get some drivers. Um, for me, my driver was pretty quick. I didn't even change. I didn't change the shaft. They just changed the head. I probably hit like 10 drivers total. And I was like, yeah, this is the one let's go with it. So what um, was that stealth two now in the bag? Stealth two. Yeah. Stealth two in the bag. Um, stealth two plus with the, uh, graphite design. Uh, it's like the DI six, I think is what it is. It's like a mid launch, low spin shaft. Um, I played it for a couple of years, but is the that thing the that was, one? no, not the orange one. It's the black one. It's like black and silver. It's a newer shaft. It's like those a year. Two, those, like a I love those ago. shafts. They're great. No, they're really good. I actually, they fit me into a graphite, the orange one that you've seen a lot into my hybrid. So I'm hitting that in my hybrid. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it was interesting because I was playing some shafts and I had tended to lose them left. And how I had always understood it was, hey, if a shaft's too stiff, you're going to tend to lose it right because it just isn't squaring up the face. But what he was saying is it depends on where the shaft is stiff at, right? Because you could have a shaft that's stiffer in the butt, softer in the tip. It's going to feel stiffer in your hands, but it's going to play softer because that tip is softer, right? And what I had, what we had found is that when my shafts get too stiff in the tip, I tend to lose it left. And so he just, what he ended up fitting me into in my irons were shafts that were a little bit softer in the tip basically still the same stiffness, but a little softer in the tip. So proportionate, it was a little bit different. And my ball 
started more right and quit drawing left. And so it was, it, it was just very interesting how they know those things, but it doesn't work across the board. You know what I mean? Like different swing types aren't necessarily going to create these same results with right. the shafts, you know? And so some of it's just understanding how's this person delivering the club into the ball? Do they have a bunch of forward shaft lean? Are they coming from the, I mean, all those things kind of go into how the dynamics are at impact, which is going to change kind of what you need in those shafts. So how many balls did you hit? Did you, were you there for like, you know, hours just beating balls on the range, hitting every club in your bag? No, I mean, I hit, I didn't hit many drivers. I hit, I hit probably 33 woods. I probably hit 15 or so hybrids. Hmm. And then I probably hit 70 balls with the irons, with the different irons. But the thing for me is like, I, I know pretty quick if it's what I want, you know what I mean? Like it's, it doesn't take me many shots before I kind of, it's like, okay, yeah, this is, this is really close or yeah, this is definitely kind of what I'm feeling. And so I'm probably a pretty easy fit in that way. And I'm also pretty consistent. So I'm not, I'm hitting in the middle of the face. My shots are coming off pretty consistently. So it's easy to kind of judge and read what these clubs are doing. But as soon as I feel what I want to feel and see what I want to see, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty easy that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. And I'm not going to hit like too. 500 golf balls to do it's it. It's not like you're missing it and spraying it all over the place. So when I you try, said man. you did find it, yeah, <laughs> dude, I mean, that's why you're on the pod, baby. That's why you have the logo on your hat. So like for you, when you talk a little bit about, you know, how things are tightened up as a professional, like how bad was your miss and how, mm -hmm. how much better is it now for a guy like you who's a freaking stick? I mean, it's, it's quite a bit tighter. I mean, it's quite a bit tighter. The biggest thing was I just had a hard time not overdrawing those irons. You know what I mean? And so I was constantly working on trying to get the ball started more right with those clubs. And I looked at it as, well, there's something wrong with my swing. You know what I mean? My ball's starting left. I need to get the ball started more right. And really it's just the shaft just wasn't working right. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's more of like there's less manipulation now and the face wants to stay more square. Whereas before it felt like I had to get it, I had to like get it perfect or else it was not going to quite start online. And so it, if anything, it almost just frees you up to be able to swing your swing. You know, it's like when I'm doing a fitting, I, I very much try to stay away as much as I can with giving golf swing tips while I'm giving a fitting mm -hmm. a, because generally speaking, if I don't help this person do this thing, they're probably not going to know how to do it right away. And it's going to screw them up more than it's going to help them in this fitting. Right. But B I'm trying to fit people for clubs for their golf swing, what they're coming to me with right now, not what they could be or what we would hope they would be, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I try to stay away from tweaking swings while I'm doing those fittings. You know, it's just, I want to try and find something that works for your swing, hopefully. And if we've got to make some tweaks to make it work, then we might make some little tweaks, but I really, Try to stay away from doing that. That's got to feel so good, though, to just have a bag that's absolutely dialed. It feels really good. I mean, it's, I, like I said, hands down through the set from driver down to the wedges, putter. I mean, I haven't been happier with a set of golf clubs than I am with these clubs right now. I mean, TaylorMade, they, it's good stuff, man. Mm -hmm. And they, they, they do take care of their staff really well. So when you, sure. when you dial into, wait, really fast, before we get to wedges and putter, what um, iron shaft are you playing now? Mm -hmm. I'm playing the um, Dynamic Gold 120. Okay. So most of the, like the regular Dynamic Gold, they're going to be, I think they're like 124 or 126 grams or something like that. So it's just a slightly softer, slightly lighter version of the Dynamic Gold, Okay. which is a shaft I grew up playing my whole life. Like, um... Yeah, I've played that dynamic. I mean, most people have. It's a super popular shaft, you know, but I stayed away from it almost because it was almost too simple. You know what I mean? It's like, man, this shaft's been around forever. There's got to be something better. You know what I mean? There's got to be something that's a little bit better. But honestly, it's kind of funny. You just come back to the, the old faithful and it works works just as good, hitting just as far, if not farther and more consistent. So, Right, right. So, okay, now the wedges, because you're absolutely deadly. You're you're deadly with the wedges. What what mm -hmm. What's in the bag right now and, and what finish? So I use the satin finish. I've got a 50, a 50, 56, 60, and the 56 is bent to 55, and my 60 is bent to 59. And they're the 56 and 60 are the T-dub grinds. 
And then the 50 degree is just the standard 50 degree, 90 degree bounce, just normal, normal grind on the wedge. And I didn't change my wedges. So TaylorMade is coming out. They're releasing their new wedges, I believe, in like September. Mm-hmm. And so I literally went with the same exact wedges that I had last year, just new ones. Okay. Are they like the raw raw face? Or when you say satin, do you mean like the black ones or just like the silver satin? No. So like it's like kind of the more silver, silverish looking, like chrome, chrome looking ones. And the, the face rusts, but the rest of the club. Right. right. That's what I, I meant. I think the yeah. rest of the club rusts. Maybe it those does. Are, those are I don't know. Mine haven't rusted. Though. The only thing that's rusted is the face a little bit. I love the, I love the rusted face. Okay. They're so nice, real... man. Honestly, like. Go ahead. Go ahead. There's a little lag. Well, I was just going to say, like, forever I played Vokey Wedges and. And two years ago was the first time I had played tailor-made wedges. And I'll tell you what, man, they are really good wedges. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't trade them for any other wedge right now if you were paying me to do it. Like, it's a really good wedge. Yeah, yeah I'm playing. I'm still playing Vokies now. But, hey, tailor-made, if you're listening, baby, <laughs> we're top 50 podcast right here. Sponsor your boy. <laughs> uh, okay, so real fast, when we when we talk about wedges, like, for you as a, as a, as a player – um, mm-hmm. just kind of like stock shots, what kind of gapping do you like to see for you? That's like mm-hmm. very controllable from like, you know, going from pitching wedge to your lob wedge, what do you like to see and what do you recommend for your students, um, to put in the bag? I mean, essentially what you need to have is for like, say if you go from pitching wedge to your gap wedge, whether that's 50 or 52 degree, whatever it is, you need to be able to have these clubs overlap mm-hmm. on the low and high end. And so what I mean by that is, like, my pitching wedge goes 128 in the air, okay? My full 50 degree goes about 114 in the air, okay? So I've got to be able to hit my pitching wedge 110 yards, and I've got to be able to hit my 50 degree wedge far enough to cover up a shot that's too small with my pitching wedge. Does that make sense? And so, like, right. now Can I'm pretty say good that with again? choking down on my wedge and hitting it, like, 100 yards, you know? So I don't have – so you want to be able to cover your gapping as far as your yardage gaps. You need to be able to cover any yardage you're going to come across, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, if I had a 60-degree wedge and then my next lowest lofted wedge, let's say it was a 54. So I've got six degrees difference between those two clubs. What that means is your lob wedge, let's say it's going to go 92 yards, okay? And let's say your 54-degree wedge full is going to go 110 yards, okay? So that means if you've got a 93 or 94-yard shot, you need to be able to hit that next wedge soft enough to cover that gap. So I should be able to hit the 54. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So if it's too much of a gap, if it's too much of a gap, you have to hit that next club too soft mm. to cover up the yardage of your next lofted club, mm. right? And so you want to have the gapping to a point where if you have to hit, like if your lot, if your fit, if your if your lob wedge goes ninety two yards and you've got a ninety five yard shot, mm. you need to be able to hit that next highest wedge soft enough to go ninety five yards, right? Gotcha. Which would mean that that's like. 15 yards off of your full swing Mm -hmm. so you you i would rather somebody have more of like 59 55 50 or 60 55 50 to where they're able to cover those yardages on all those shots is is that making sense am i explaining that properly yeah no that makes sense because it's all about versatility so this would be this would be like this would be an yeah, it, it's all about hitting at the right distance. You know what I mean? And this would be an example. Let's say you're playing on a firm course, there's no wind, and your lob your 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 lob wedge goes 92 yards mm-hmm. and your 54 goes 110 yards, okay? Now let's say you've got a front pin that's 96 yards away. Well, if you smash that lob wedge, you might get it to that flag. But if you miss it at all, it's coming up short, right? Yeah. Well, now you've got to hit a small 54, but the pin's in the front and the green is firm, right? So you're not going to spin it that much. So even if you land it by the flag, it's not going to grab like you need it to, right? Mm -hmm. So I need to be able to hit that 96-yard shot with enough spin to stop it on that front pin 
So I have to be able to hit that next club soft enough or hard enough to be able to get it spin and to still go to that yardage. Does that make sense? So like my gapping with my wedges, my 59 goes like 93 in the air. My 55 goes about 104 in the air. My 50 degree goes about 114 in the air. And my pitching wedge goes about 128 in the air. So if I've got a hundred yard shot, I can very easily choke down on my 50 and hit it that far. Mm. Or I can hit a sandwich that far. And if I've got a 107 yard shot, then really I'm only taking about seven yards off my, my 50 degree wedge to hit at that. So it's a relatively full swing still, right. or close to a fuller swing. You see what I'm saying? So I'm not having to hit something so soft that I lose the spin on it and the control. Okay. No, that makes sense. I'm just thinking about my Is that wedge making gapping. sense? Yeah. No, and I'm thinking about yardages that I typically struggle with. And it's like tends to be right between... I don't think my wedge gapping's right with like my 50 degree or my gap wedge and my pitching wedge. Cause I can nut a pitching wedge like 150, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I can't. How far do you hit him? That's okay. Good... And how far do you hit your gap wedge? So I don't know, dude. That's probably something I need to be able to answer more specifically. So like pitching wedge, I probably hit like, I can, I mean, I can do things. I mean, like 130? I can hit pitching wedge. No, I hit pitching wedge farther. I hit pitching wedge like probably 140, 140, 145. Right. And then your gap wedge, what, like 120? Yeah. So there's like a 20. Yeah. There's like a massive gap. Exactly. Like, let's just say it's 125. Say it's 125 on the high end. That's still like a 20 yard gap between my pitching wedge and my gap Mm -hmm. wedge. And I get that yardage a lot. And it's like, I end up just screwing myself over because I have a tough time kind of like buttering a a full pitching wedge Um, just because it's a different feel. I mean, like, if you even mm-hmm. look at the, the clubs I'm playing right now, it's like a Vokey 50, mm-hmm. 50 degree wedge with like a dynamic old shaft. And then the, the pitching wedge itself is like this P seven yep. MC like muscle cavity with a C taper shaft. That's like 130 grams. It's like, doesn't feel the same at all. So that's something I need to freaking figure out because like, I mean, that's yeah. how I'm going to score. That's how I'm going to get to, uh, you know, <laughs> scratch, I guess from the floor right now. For sure. For sure. I mean, yeah, I think you would, you would rather it be like at a max, like 15 yards Mm -hmm. at a max between your wedges, 15 yard difference in gapping. And ideally it'd probably be more around like 12, something like that, give or take a little bit. Okay. No. And I think that's how I got fit. I got fit a while ago and I was, my gappings were, were, were solid. They were like right around that 15 to 12 yard yeah, but then things kind of change. You know, I've been sort of like out of pocket, haven't been playing as much. So that's something I want to get um, get more dialed into. Um, so for you, like when you fit wedges, do you do it all on TrackMan or do you try to like what's the ideal way for a consumer to go get fit for wedges? Because wedges, getting fit for wedges is this thing that, um, you know, it's interesting. You, you think about going to get fit for irons like and always always try to pitch it to like the average golfer who might walk into like a. Uh, I don't know, like a, a sporting goods store and get fit at like dicks or something like that, which might not be the most optimal way of doing it. So like if you were to just give someone advice on how to get fit for wedges, how would you kind of like instruct someone or what sort of tips could you give them? Well, I mean, I think that a, you, you like with a set of irons, there's a lot more to do with the shafts, right? Like you're trying to figure out the right shaft and head combination to get the most out of it. Whereas with a wedge, you're, for the most part, you're going to be playing like a dynamic gold shaft in it. You know, some people are going to have some different shafts in their wedges, but you're not really fitting the shaft in the wedges. You're more fitting the grind on the bottom mm-hmm. and the bounce, right? And so, like, what I'm concerned with when I'm fitting somebody in the wedges is, A, what do they need help with? Do they need help out of the bunker? Do they need help, like, not getting the club in the ground? Like, do they open the face a lot? Do they keep the face square? How does the club go through the ground, right? So I want to give them as much bounce as I can that they can play with um, because bounce is going to be your friend. But essentially, I'm looking at how their club goes through the ground. I mean, if they're taking massive divots with their wedges, I'm going to need to give them more bounce because the less bounce I give them, the more their club's just going to dig in the ground, right? So if I see somebody taking pretty big divots with their wedges, I already know, okay, A, we're going to head into the high bounce range, right? Mm -hmm. So from there, I'm going to start to ask them, well, what do you do with the club head? Do you like to open the club face? Do you play most of your shots square, right? And I'll also ask them, do you need help out of the bunker? Are you pretty good out of the bunker, right? And where do you feel like you need the most help? If someone tells me, hey, 
I'm pretty good with my wedges, but I just need help out of the bunker. I'm going to give them something with a decent amount of bounce and a pretty good sized sole on the bottom. That's going to be the easiest thing to hit out of that bunker. And I'm going to take them around the green and see if they can hit the little shots that they need to hit with it still. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's essentially how I'm going to do it is a, how's the club going through the ground? Do they need more or less bounce? B, do they need help out of the bunker? And then C, what do they like to do with the club face? Do they tend to open it, rotate it, or do they play a lot of shots square faced? And from there, that's going to tell me kind of where we need to go with the bounce. And then I might grab one or two options, two or three, whatever, and I'll take them out there and just have a hit shot. And then it comes down to them, their playing preference and, and stuff. It's just interesting to think about like the wedge itself, the nature of the wedge. It's so versatile. Like you can use a wedge for you know, for anything, you know, bunker, chip, there's so many different shots you can play. So it's kind of a, a tough, it seems like it'd be a harder fit than just like an iron, like, okay, we're going to try to hit this iron 150 yards and you were going to try to minimize your dispersion. Whereas the wedge is like this thing that's kind of like open-ended, you know, and it's more about like skill and touch and, and it's like this, yeah, this I weapon, mean, right? I mean, it is and it can be, but if I'm going to be honest with you, the vast majority of people that come and get fit aren't like using the wet, I mean, that's like above their pay grade, basically, right? Starting to open up the face and learn how to use it different ways. Like most of them are just playing square face shots. You know, the vast majority of people, I'll be like, yeah, do you play your, do you play this shot with an open face? And they're like, yeah, I'm laying it open and the face is open like five degrees. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, that face isn't really open. You know what I mean? It's still pretty square. Right. They're like, oh, I thought I was laying it open, you know? So, I would say, I mean, fitting wedges is easier than fitting irons because they they kind of have what they've got as far as their technique. You know what I mean? Like, and most people who play a lot of golf, they can hit a decent little chip shot and they can hit a decent little pitch shot, you know? And so um, I would say that fitting wedges is probably a little bit easier, honestly. Okay. No, just interesting thoughts. All right, so going back to TaylorMade, did you end up getting a putter too, or what's the situation with the with the putters there? Uh, what's funny is no, we didn't get a putter. All three of us that went down there had lab putters, yeah. and they gave us a little bit of crap for all having lab putters. They wanted us to go over to the putting studio and get fit over there, but I mean, all three of us like our labs so good. It's it wasn't it wasn't worth it. We weren't going to get a putter anyways. But um, no, I'm I'm using the lab, man. I'm, I'm loving that thing. It's going to be hard to get that out of my bag. I also want to thank you, John, because... You got one yet? Yeah, dude, I got one. I interviewed the CEO, Sam, like shortly after I spoke to you. Yeah, you and you were kind of the... Ins- I know, You were I kind know. of the inspiration for that because you had, you know, talked a little bit about it. And obviously, like, I trust you a lot with, with golf. Um, but I love the Mez. I love the Mez 1 Max, man. Like, and I don't see myself going and really... Who are you? You know what I mean? Like, I don't plan on it at all. It just feels super comfortable and I feel super solid with it. Uh, I just feel like an athlete. I feel like I can just make a good stroke. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I've I've had Scotties before. I've had uh, Blades. Mallets, it makes it so much easier. To just like, yeah, see the hole and, and just feel confident on the green is, is amazing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm going to be completely honest, you know, you, I mean, people will spend $700 on a driver all day long, mm-hmm. all day long. And you hit the thing 14 times around max. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like these lab putters, hands down for the money that you're spending will improve your game more than any other club you can buy. Like, like just putting it into your bag, not changing a single thing about it. Bang for your buck. Those lab putters hands down will improve your stroke without anything more than buying any other club that's out there. Will. Mm-hmm. I yeah, mean, and, no. and, <laughs> Bullish, and people man. like, bad an eye at spending that type of money on a putter it's like look how many times you use a putter around you're using it 30 plus times around sometimes you know you use it by far more than any other club in your back right if you're going to invest the money that's that's where i would invest i tell people all the time it's a no-brainer man anybody that uses it is like oh man i need to get yeah so what you're playing the mez the mez as well or do you have directed force i can't remember no i got the directed force do you have i got the directed does it have the ford press grip as well Mm-hmm. It's got the three degree, three degree plus. Yep. Okay. And then just like the stock yep. shaft or did you, did you, and it's funny, I actually put a smaller grip on it. Yeah. No, I went with the, I went with the, the upgraded shaft. I went with the upgraded shaft, but it's funny. I played around with, um, I put one of the 1.5 degree mm-hmm. 
press grips on like a couple weeks ago, just because I wanted to feel something a little smaller and I didn't putt as good with it, man. I putted with it in one tournament, one pro-am and I was like, nope, cut it off and put the regular size one back on there. But, um, yeah, yeah. I love that thing. Yeah, me too, dude. It's funny. It's fun to just, to just, I don't know. It just brings me joy, man, to think about the Mez one and like how many freaking putts I've made since using it. But it's also interesting to see because I still get crap. I still get crap for it. Like last time I played, some guy was like, "Hey, that looks like the uh, the Darth Vader putter." I'm like, "Oh, watch this!" And I just drain. I just went draino on him all day, man. That's the thing. It's like, who cares what you play? Like if you're making putts, that's what it's about, you know. The Mez doesn't even look that weird. Yeah, like, I know. I'm like, like, dude. If you, I was like, dude. There, I was like, dude. Like, if you think this looks weird, weird, yeah. I'm like, wait till you see the direct force. Is what I sold him. He's like, oh, you know. <laughs> you should get a little fitting kit down there, man, and start fitting putters. Yeah, we're in a, people into some putters down an there. An affiliate code, dude. Throw me an affiliate code. Um, so, dude, one thing I I want to mm-hmm. dive into one thing you said that I think is really interesting. And you, you said something like, I've never been fit this good my entire career. So it kind of made me think, like, when you dive into, like, guys on mm-hmm. Canadian tour and mini tours, like, pre-PGA tour, um, do you think, like, most of those guys are as dialed as they should be? Or is it more of just, like, for them, do you think it's, like, kind of just grinding and shooting scores with what they have? Uh, most of them, I mean, the top guys, you know, the guys that were like all Americans in college or, you know, those guys are probably on some kind of staff deal, you know, where they're getting clubs and balls and things like that. But I would say 85% of the guys that are trying to do it aren't getting hardly any help at all. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was out there, like it was, I mean, they just don't want to help you. You know what I mean? Like if you're on like a mini tour they just they'll give you gloves and balls and hats but as far as getting clubs even at like PUD it's difficult man they just they just don't have any interest in helping you unless you're like a top you know a top horse coming out like mm-hmm. most of them i would say are just kind of maybe they're getting help here there now nowadays now the thing is too is when i was out there we didn't have all these track mans and gc quads and stuff like that you know what i mean so mm-hmm. a lot of these guys now have access to that technology and if you've got a fit cart with a decent amount of heads and shafts you can fit yourself pretty well you know using those numbers and so I, there's definitely going to be guys that are more dialed in now than they used to be but as far as like guys getting taken care of by manufacturers i would assume it's still the same that, you know, it's probably at a max 15% of those guys are getting any kind of decent help. All the rest of them are having to kind of fend for themselves for the most part, which is kind of sad, really, but it's, it is what it is. If you're not selling golf clubs, I mean, that's what they're in the business to do is sell golf clubs. And if you're not selling golf clubs and making them money, then they don't see the reason why they're going to give you free stuff, you know? So I get it. Um, one thing that comes to mind for- you know, just in this conversation and if you thinking about like how dialed you are right now, which super jealous of that, by the way, is there a club in your bag that you like don't like right now? Cause throughout my life, there's been things, there's been clubs. Cause throughout my life, there's been times where I'm just like, Oh, I hate, or I hate this stupid five wood. I hate this, this three wood. And I don't know. I just played it cause I was younger and it's like, I didn't have anything else to play really. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of guys like that who just have a club in their bag that they absolutely hate. Um, there's a guy that comes to Bandon with us. He hates his driver. He just like only plays a three wood. His name's Eric. I hope he listens to the pod. But he just like refuses to get a driver because he like hates it. Like, what are your advice to guys like that? Huh. I mean, it's. I mean, the reason why he hates it is probably because he doesn't hit it very good, you know? So I would probably try and figure out why it's hard for him to hit a driver. You know what I mean? And chances are he's probably just really steep. He's either really steep or he's too shallow. You know what I mean? Because if a ball's teed up in the air and you've got this massive club head to hit it with, like you should, you should have a hard time like getting the ball in the air and hitting it somewhere near the middle of the face. You know what I mean? And so the only people that I see that have a hard time with a driver, most of the time they're really steep. Like that club is just coming in too steeply into the golf ball. So the loft is like heading down into the ground and they're trying to launch this ball up in the air. Or you get the person that's just dropping this club so far behind them that it wants to bottom out way too early and they have to use their hands. And so the club starts to get out of whack with the path. You know what I mean? 
but um yeah i would i would i would want to ask him well what's what's the deal with it you know do you pop it up do you drop kick it like why don't you like it yeah you know because it's one way or another you just can't be delivering the club and the ball the right way right there's guys out there who just have stuff in their bag that they they play just because but the reality is it's like you can go and you can fix that problem. I mean, you should have 14 clubs in the bag. You should be playing with 14 clubs that you love, right? That you absolutely well, love that. At, at the very least, I mean, you know, you should certainly like them. I mean, that's nowadays it's a lot easier to go get fit. You know what I mean? And if you're going to put the money into a set of golf clubs, absolutely. If you have to pay a fitting fee, pay the fitting fee and get fit by somebody because the difference between a shaft, like you wouldn't think that like a shaft, like you could have five stiff shafts sitting there, five regular shafts sitting there, and they're all right around the same weight. And they're all supposed to do kind of about the same thing, right? And you would be surprised how much one of those shafts will just work better for a person. And you could cycle them through those other four shafts all you want. And every time you stick that combination in their hands, they just hit it great, you know? And they're how I like to kind of explain it is these shafts are like springs. You know what I mean? And you've got different stiffness of springs and you're trying to find the spring that wants to unload that club in the right way for you. And depending on your swing, depending on your speed, depending on a lot of things, like you could have two people with the same exact swing speed and both of them, you know, they need a stiff shaft and they could need two totally different stiff shafts to work. You know what I mean? And where I see it all the time is, you know, when I'm given a fitting, like you kind of know pretty quick. If the person's making decent contact with the golf ball, you kind of know pretty quick when they hit it, if it's something that's working or it's not working, you know? Mm-hmm. And it is amazing how I'll stick a combination in the person's hands and they'll hit it good. And I'll be like, okay, I really like that. And feel like that's probably as good as we're going to get. And I can cycle them through every other option I can put together and they just will not hit it as good. And as soon as I stick that same club back in their hand, it's like, boom, it's like a different person all of a sudden, you know what I mean? And so you do need to have the right shaft for your swing to match the head that you're playing. And a lot of people, I think, you know, like if you you need to hit the middle of the club face, like if you're going to go get fit for clubs, like you're not going to go get fit for clubs and be missing the club face all over the place. And then all of a sudden be striking in the middle of the face. That's not going to happen. But if you're hitting your clubs pretty well and you're catching it relatively in the middle of the face or somewhere close to the middle of the face consistently, you will absolutely see a difference. If your clubs are not fit for you and we get you into something that is fit for you, hands down, you will see it. I mean, I regularly see people gain 15, 20 yards on their irons or their driver, like regularly. And they could be playing stuff that they play pretty good with, you know, they've played for years and years and years and it's just, boom, you get the right combination in their hands and it just works better. Just matches up better. Wait. So then from like a maintenance perspective, as far as, um, you know, getting fit, right? Like I got fit around three years ago and I still Mm -hmm. like my clubs. But I'm always curious, you know, like what else is out mm-hmm. there? I mean, that's kind of who I am. I'm just like a tinker, always trying to get better, whether it's this podcast or my golf clubs. Like how often would you recommend a guy like me to get fit? Does my swing change? Like, oh, yeah. I mean, like, or should I just be playing these specs? I mean, it could. I mean, it, it definitely could. Um I mean, I, I don't know if I, – I think you need to at least get fit one time and get dialed in and then maybe just main check up on it every now and then if you can get on a launch monitor. Um, the specs of your clubs aren't going to change drastically even if your swing changes a little bit, right? Like it shouldn't, it shouldn't totally throw off the specs that you get. Um, but they can change, man. You know, I mean like – I'm sure my swing is not quite the same as it was 10 years ago. You know, my body doesn't feel as good as it did 10 years ago. That's for one, you know, I'm sure I don't swing it as fast as I did when I was in peak shape. And so things can change, but I mean, once you get fit and and it's a set of clubs that you feel good with, 
I mean, you're going to, you're going to kind of fit into that same stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, maybe a, a different shaft might work a little bit better or maybe you switch the shaft, you know, but I've played the same shaft in my driver for the last four drivers that I've had. I haven't switched the shaft in my driver. You know, I've changed the head and maybe I've had to tweak the loft on it a little bit or something because the, the head spins a little less or whatever it is. But I mean, once you kind of find shafts that work, they tend to kind of work. You know what I mean? Like you, they, you could stick an iron shaft that works for you in almost any iron and it's going to work pretty good. Okay. Gotcha. And then it just kind of comes down to like, I mean, the guys I'm kind of hanging out with right now are like really into equipment. So then it's after you're dialed, it's like, all right, what, what kind of suits your Mm. eyes from like a head perspective? You know, if all the performance is there, whether it be like an aesthetic Mm -hmm. blade or, or something like that. Right. And that's sort of secondary, but performance is always, is mm-hmm. always number one. Cause there's a lot of guys out there For who sure. just run around changing clubs too. And they're just super into gear and maybe not yeah. shooting oh, oh. good scores or whatever, however you want to look at it. There's, right. There's people that are addicted to clubs. Like they're addicted to drugs, man. Like I know people that switch clubs. So like it would boggle your mind. I know this guy and he switches his clubs like every time I hear about him or see him, he has different golf clubs. And I'm not even kidding you. It could be, I see the guy one week and I see the guy different, like all the time, all the time, all the time. You go buy a driver, he'll hit it five times on the range. And he's like, oh, this isn't going to work. Takes it back. Gets another driver. It's like they're trying to find the club that's going to give them a game. When really it's like, well, you should spend that money on some golf lessons. You just keep the clubs you got. <laughs> No, it's just funny. It's funny to see. It's cool. And it's also interesting to hear that from a guy like you who's an absolute stick. Because I feel like a lot of the guys who are like that might not be as... Uh, maybe I'm going to get canceled here on the Canadian tour. <laughs> well, I mean, there's guys like that out there too. I mean, you've got every you've got every walk of life out there. But I'll say this for sure. Like, I mean, I'm fortunate to be on like a staff deal to where I have X amount of money that I get to spend every year and I either spend it or it goes away. You know what I mean? And so like, I'm not having to pay for my golf clubs per se. So if a new set of irons comes out, you know, I can trade my stuff in or use my credit to get the irons. They're going to send you a new driver every year. But to be completely honest with you, I don't want new stuff all the time. I just want my stuff to work. Mm. Like if the stuff works and it does what I want it to do, I will use that stuff until it breaks. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like this year, for an example, I got a new hybrid down there and I love this hybrid. I love the three wood and I love the hybrid that they fit me into more than any three wood or hybrid I've ever had. But I was playing a 913 Titleist hybrid up until this year. 913, that thing is 10 years old, right? And it's just because yeah. it did what I wanted it to do. It was consistent. Like it wasn't the hottest hybrid. Like it didn't go super far, but it I knew exactly what it was going to do every single time. And I loved having that club in my bag. Mm-hmm. Now I finally found one that I feel like is better, but it took a long time. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I had tried other hybrids. It's just, they weren't better. And so I'm not going to play it if it's not better. Literally a decade. Know? So when you look at like the performance of that 913 to the stealth, is it just like the stealth hybrid, the new, the stealth two hybrid? The new, the new stealth hybrid. Yeah. yeah. What is like, yeah. Specs I mean, I would say I probably hit the or? new one. Mm, I wouldn't say so. Different shaft. Um, I probably hit the new one like 10 yards further in the air than I hit the other one. Um, but it's got a little better flight on it, a um, little less spin, a little higher launching, and it's just it's just really consistent. And I like the way it looks. I like the way it looks too. Yeah, That's sweet. All right, before we get into to practice, because we only have like a couple more minutes here, um what irons are you actually playing are you playing the 770s or the the tailor-made mcs like the p7 mcs no i'm playing the mcs the seven mcs yeah yeah pretty pure i and have they are the best set of irons i've ever played ever mm-hmm. Damn. yeah they're awesome yeah. they're awesome yeah Cause did you, cause you, you've always been kind of, well, we talked a little bit about this in one of our episodes, but like prior to this TaylorMade, were you, were you Callaway or like, is this your first year as a TaylorMade staffer? I was Callaway for like, I was Callaway for a couple years. 
And then I was Titleist for a long time, long time before that. And so mostly Titleist, Callaway for a couple years. I was on staff with Nike. Um, but yeah, this is the best stuff I've played for sure. Mm-hmm. I love to hear that. I mean, I've always been a TaylorMade guy, so I'm like, you know, super partial to TaylorMade as well. So that's badass, man. And again, like, I'm just pumped for you that you love what you play because that's it's a big deal, you know, to, to finally get to that point. Like, I'm excited for myself to get to that point, you know. But last time we had spoke, we talked a little bit about wanting to talk about practice, right? I mean, a lot of times I'll go to the range and I'll beat balls and I'll leave being like, what just happened? You know, did I waste my time? You know, I'm a busy man. Got a couple jobs around the pod. How can I most efficiently use my time on the range or the practice tee, as they say, to get better if I only have a finite amount of time and I'm trying to fit golf in because golf means so much to me. It means the world. You know, I want to get better. I want to be the best player I can be. So how can I become that guy? Well, I think that, you know, you just, you have to learn how to be efficient with your time and, and accomplish more and less time. Right. And so how I would say it is hit less balls, but go through your routine, right? Like change your club, change your target, change your shot, change like where you're aiming, like constantly switch it up. And you want to try to incorporate as much of your process and routine into your practice as you use on the course. So I'd rather you hit half as many balls going through your routine every time than hitting twice as many balls and not going through your routine. I feel like that's just a money tip right there. That's like literally, sorry to interrupt, but I feel like that's like a million dollar tip because a lot of the times I'll go to the range and I'll just look around and see guys mindlessly like beating balls. You know what I mean? Like that right there, people want like value. That's value like right there. Just going through your practice routine as you're hitting balls. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Or you pre-shot your team. Absolutely. I mean, it's people, people would be surprised how it helps you perform on the course when you're going through that routine and you're adding that into your practice. So when you get on the course, you're just going through the same routine that you've gone through over and over and over versus if you're hitting and raking, you're not, you're not actually going through the process that you're going to go through on the course to hit a golf shot. So really what you're doing is practicing your golf swing. You're not practicing playing golf. Because on the golf course, you don't ever hit the same shot twice unless you hit it in the water or you hit it out of bounds, right? Mm-hmm. So you're constantly, like, you're hitting a driver, then you're hitting a seven iron, then you're hitting a chip shot, then you're hitting a putt, then you're hitting a three wood, then you're hitting a four iron, then you hit a pit. Like, it's, you're constantly changing the club that you're hitting and you're changing your target. So the more you can do that in your practice, the more you're going to get comfortable doing it on the golf course. So that's like, A, I tell every one of my students to do that. And I'll be completely honest maybe a tenth of the people have the dedication to actually do it. They want to get in there and hit good shots, right? They want to get into a rhythm and hit good shots. And if you aren't comfortable going through your routine and taking it one shot at a time, you're not going to hit like perfect shots at first. You know what I mean? It's going to be a little bit uncomfortable until you get used to doing that, Mm -hmm. but it's actually going to transfer onto the golf course. But that's literally what golf is, right? It's like, like, Use it's your going routine. to be uncomfortable, but it's that's literally yep. what golf is. And I, yep. I fell victim to that. Is like our going as a young kid with uh you know, going to the range, right? And just kind of getting dropped off and like trying to figure it out, right? Just going through and raking. But that's not golf, that's practicing mm-hmm. golf swing. But we're trying mm-hmm. to shoot better scores, right? If if you're gonna shoot better scores, you need to be able to put yourself in like this heightened sense, right? Of like not necessarily fight or flight, but like, all right. This is, mm-hmm. this matters. Yeah. This shot here matters. And if you're just raking, you know, hitting balls like a machine yes. on the range, that's not going to get you better. So I love that exactly. tip right there. That's a million dollar tip, baby. Exactly. 100%. 100%, man. And then, you know, sometimes what I'll have people do is, is like play nine holes on the driving range, right? Like hit a drive, like play your, your, your local home course and imagine you're playing your home course, right? Here you're hitting your tee shot on the first hole. Where did it go? Okay, well, I'm going to have this shot into the green. Play that shot into the green. If you miss the green, hit a little chip shot, right? Like, I think that that is better practice than just hitting and raking. Now, there's time for block practice, right? Like, if you're working on your golf swing, let's say. So, let's say let's say you're making changes to your golf swing, okay? And let's say you've got one large bucket to practice. So, you've got, let's call it 100 golf balls. What I would prefer for people to do is take the first 50 balls 
and work on block practice, like work on whatever mechanics you're working on. Okay. So you're going to take the time to detach yourself from the result and just give yourself some time and space to try and work on the feels that you're working on in your golf swing. Okay. So you're going to have to set some time aside to do that. But once you get through that first half of that bucket, you need to switch gears and get into hitting golf shots and learning how to trust it. Okay. So go through your routine, pick different targets, pick different clubs, hit different shots and see if you can change your target and hit these shots after doing your block practice. And at this point, you're trying to trust it, right? Like you've already done your work to try and improve it. Well, now it's your time to do and see, well, did I make an improvement? Did I make a change? And what is it, right? And if things are going well and you're hitting it good, that's where you're going to learn how to trust it, right? Like hitting and raking, you're only going to trust it when you get into a groove. But if you can pull that club out of your bag and hit that one golf ball at your target, you're going to trust what you're doing, right? And so it's your opportunity to start to trust. So if you're working on your swing, yes, you're going to have to work on your mechanics, but you also need to take some time to work on just hitting golf shots at targets because that's what you got to do on the golf course. And that's ultimately where we're trying to get to is a place where we hit better shots when we need to hit them. Not better shots after we've hit 15 in a row and we get in a groove and all of a sudden we start hitting good ones. That doesn't, that doesn't do you any good. It's kind of like a false sense of confidence, really. Yeah. You know well, I mean? I mean, most people are not most, but a lot of people have that, right? Go to the range and beat balls, but that's not golf. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, one well, thing that well, makes me thing think on top of it, too, is I have a lot of people that come to me. I have a lot of people that come to me and they're like, hey, I'm practicing great, but it doesn't transfer to the, but I'm not hitting it as good on the course. Absolutely. The reason why is they're not including their routine in that, right? Like you've got to include your routine into that and be able to do it on call. Then when you go on the course and you go through your routine to hit the shot, it's the same thing you practice. Like that's the biggest thing I'll say. If you're, if you're getting into a groove on the range or you can practice well when you're hitting balls on the range, but it doesn't transfer to the golf course, you need to go through your routine more. You need to get more individual into each shot and into each target and treat it more as an individual performance versus, okay, if I don't hit this one good, I've got 95 other tries. Mm-hmm. And my thing that I'm, something that's coming to mind now is like, you know, like diminishing returns. At what point is it like, all right, dude, you're hitting too many balls, freaking get on the course. Because even if you are in that state of, you know, even you're flushing everything from like the mindset routine practice, right, that we just spoke of, like that is still different than going out and playing golf, mm-hmm. right? So at what point is it just like, all right, you need to be playing more versus practice? Yeah. I mean, I would say like it kind of depends on where your skill level is. So like the better you are, the more you should be playing. The more you should be out on the golf course, like learning how to get that ball around the golf course. You know what I mean? Like if you're a beginning golfer and you're only hitting the golf ball 50% of the time, well, you probably ought to sit on the range for a little bit and figure out how to strike the golf ball before you get on the golf course and, and whiff it half the time, right? But if you're a competent golfer and you can hit the golf ball well and you get on the range and you're going through your stuff and you're doing well on the range, then you need to get on the golf course. And you need to start to figure out how do I manage my game around this golf course, right? Because you're going to have to learn how to problem solve and you're not going to learn that on the driving range. You know, what are you going to do when the ball's below your feet or the ball's above your feet or the ball's in deep rough or all these different scenarios that you're only going to encounter on the golf course? You have to learn how to manage those situations on the golf course, you know? And that's a lot more of scoring your golf ball than like your golf swing. You know what I mean? Because you have to problem solve. You're not always hitting off of a flat lie with a perfect with a perfect ball sitting right on the turf. You know what I mean? It could be in a divot. It could be sitting down. It could be be sitting on top of the grass. Like it'd be, it could be any of these things that you kind of got to figure out how to manage. And so ultimately if your goal is to play better golf, you got to get on the course to do it. You know, you just got to learn how to score, learn how to get your ball in the hole. Mm -hmm. So when you, when you think of scoring and really breaking down scoring, like how can we improve scoring? How can we become better players if we're past the point of, you know, we have our, we have our miss, we're able to like manage our golf ball. We're able to manage our swing. Like when you really break down scoring, what does that mean for for someone who hears it? But like we want to freaking dive deep into that. I mean, for for most people, it's a couple things. One, short game. Mm-hmm. P 
people don't chip pitch putt the ball nearly as well as they could and your short game is the thing that's going to it's going to keep momentum going it's going to make bad days better and it's going to make good days great say that again for the people if you don't have the ability to escape trouble so like your short game is what's going to hold everything together when it gets off it's going to help you turn bad days into decent days and it's going to help you turn good days into great days because the fact of the matter is the best ball strikers in the world are going to miss four or five greens around right and that's the best players in the world like nobody hits 18 greens around so that means best case scenario you're going to have a handful of times where you need to get up and down right So that's a chance to keep momentum going or to lose momentum. And it's also a chance to keep your round going or to kind of lose your round, right? On top of that, even on par fives, you can get on in two. Most of the time, you're not going to be on the green in two shots. You're going to be around the green in two shots, right? So that means you're going to need to hit a good pitch or chip shot and a good putt to make your birdie most of the time, right? So that's a scoring opportunity right there. And it doesn't matter how good you hit it. You're not going to hit three woods onto greens all day long. You know what I mean? Good. I mean, if you can get your ball up around the green and two shots on a par five, you're doing pretty well. Now it's just about having a good short game and getting the ball in the hole. Right. And so without that, you really limit how good you can play. I mean, if you can't get it up and down and you're not getting it up and down around par fives and two, that means that you're not saving pars where you could be. And you're not scoring in places where you could be. So you're kind of capping how low you can shoot. Whereas if you're able to get those shots up and down, there's no limit, right? Like even if you're hitting it poorly, if you've got a good short game, you can still get the ball up and down and shoot a good score. Whereas if you're hitting it poorly and you don't have a good short game, you have zero chance of shooting a a good score, like zero. You're just going to play bad that day. You see what I'm saying? And so the short game is like the equalizer. The short game is the thing that when your swing's not on, that's what allows you to play well still. That's what allows you to still get the ball in the hole. And when your swing is on, that's what allows you to really take it deep because you can take advantage of all opportunities and you can keep momentum going when you happen to miss a green. You know what I mean? And it, and it, and it bleeds back into the fairway because if you are – if you know you're going to have a good chance to get it up and down if you miss the green, then you're going to be freed up in the fairway to make more of a free swing at it, right? Like I spoke with one of my students the other day, and I was talking to him about their their full swing and their short game, and they're like, yeah, like I feel like if I don't hit a good iron shot to inside 20 feet, then I'm going to three-putt it. And I'm talking to him, I'm like, well, here's the thing. The best players in the world with a seven iron average 25 feet away. You're not going to do better than that. So if you don't feel like you can two putt from 30 feet, you're going to really struggle at this game, right? Because a good medium iron shot's going to go to 30 feet or further out, right? So you need to be able to two putt that to keep momentum going. And if you can't, man, the game's really hard. You know, if you can't get that ball into the hole, the game becomes really, really tough. Especially if you don't have a lab putter. But no, I get what you're saying. Like, we need to be practicing short game more. We need to be yeah, able to exactly. score more. So, all right, last two minutes. So when we think about kind of like practicing short game, how do you like to break that down for your students? Um, so... It depends on what you're working on. You know, if you're working on like pitch shots, the most important thing is controlling how far the ball goes. If you're working on shots that are on the greens, like how I like for my students to do it is, you know, most greens are going to have like a flag in it or two flags in it. You know what I mean? It's going to have a couple targets, but I'll have them put like tees in the green. So you have like four or five targets, right? And then take 10 balls. And I want them to hit one shot to each target and then hit another shot to each target, and then pick all those 10 balls up and move to a different place on the green. Move to a different side of the green. So now you've got a total different range of shots that you're going in. And what I like is for people to vary the shot that they're hitting each time. So you're not hitting the same shot twice. You're changing the distance you're hitting it. You're changing the flight you're hitting it on, but you're constantly just changing the shot that you're hitting. And develop the feel that way, right? Now, generally speaking, you're going to need to hit them like, decent to get good results so at first just work on having like a stock shot 
that's going to come off the face solidly. It's going to come off with generally the same flight all the time and learn how to play it with that flight, right? As you get better and better, you're going to want to have the you're going to want to be able to hit it a little higher and softer and a little lower that runs out a little bit more. So you've got a low shot, a medium shot, and a high shot. And essentially, I just want people to practice a low, a medium, and a high shot with all their clubs that they use around the greens. And if you do that, you really shouldn't encounter a shot on the course that you don't have a club or a shot to play for it, right? But you need to have something that you can hit a little higher and softer. You need something that's going to come off a little lower and hotter. And once you have that, then it's just about controlling the contact and how far you're hitting it, you know, controlling the distance. But that comes through varied practice. You know, like what you see all the time is they dump out their bucket right next to the green and they hit 25 shots to the same flat. Well, after the first two or three shots, you know exactly how hard you need to hit it. You know exactly how far you need to fly it. There's no guessing then, right? Where you need to get better at that guessing. You need to get better at visualizing what's going to happen before it happens. And you're not going to do it hitting the same shot over and over and over. Yeah. The way I like to practice that. So vary it up. Switch your shot up. Switch at the my little up. like muni because it's right down the street is uh, Mission Bay. Shout out to Mission Bay. Uh, I'll just take like two balls really is what it is. And I'll spend. I, I like to just chip to be honest more so than mm-hmm. like hit full swing. Because if that's the other thing. If, I, if I'm just out there beating balls. I also get mental. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, what am I doing right now? Like, why am I not peering it? And then I'm thinking to myself, mm-hmm. like, should I text John right now? Should mm-hmm. I te- text him a picture? Is he is he eating with his family? Is he going to tell me to <laughs> screw off or tell me to, uh, you know, buzz off? Excuse me. So in my mind, it's like, all right, I need to, to get better. Well, so what I'll do is I'll just walk around with literally two balls and I'll be like, all right, for this next X amount of time, I'm just going to hit different shots to different flags. So I'll walk to one side of the practice facility, hit two shots, grab the balls, walk to the other side and always vary up the angles. So not only am I doing that, I'm getting my steps in baby. So mm-hmm. we're burning cows out as we practice. So it's, it's like the best of both worlds, mm-hmm. right? Cause at the end of the day, mm-hmm. we only have one opportunity to, to execute yeah. and like, you have to basically become uncomfortable mm-hmm. with executing these shots and, and just really what it is. It's just to feel at the end of the day. It's just like, how can we develop this feel? Well, if you want to develop the feel, you have to, you know, you have to put yourself in situations to develop the feel, right? You have to be in these unknown places. You can't just sit there with a bucket of balls and beat yeah. the balls. I, I tell people this all the time is that, your job and your practice is to get comfortable being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? And so good golf, adrenaline comes with good golf, right? Like adrenaline comes with playing well. And a lot of people look at that feeling as an uncomfortable feeling. Whereas, I mean, I've played enough golf to know that if I'm getting those jitters or I'm getting those bugs, that something good is happening and I'm playing well. And so what you got to do is get comfortable being uncomfortable. And so changing up your shot every time, like not getting into a groove to where you have to actually think, and there's actually some worry that you're not going to hit it well, right? Like you got to fight through that and you got to practice fighting through that and just focusing on your target. Right. And all, all the practice that, the, the way that I want people, I want it to mean something. You know what I mean? Like I want each shot to like mean something. And, and I would also say, go through your routine on those pitch shots. Go through feeling how far you're going to hit it. What do you want your ground to do through the ground? Or what do you want your club to do through the ground? But go through your routine on those little pitch shots as well. Um, because it's all going to help you do it on the golf course. And yeah, it's the biggest thing is figure out ways that you can make yourself uncomfortable in your practice and learn how to deal with that uncomfortableness. Learn how to focus on your task at hand, even though you're not feeling comfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sound clip that because that's the uh, that was a nice little soundboard right there, John. I love that. I really appreciate you as well. Um, so in, in closing words, I mean, just kind of summarizing like what I learned you know, like we got to be uncomfortable, right? We have to learn to embrace that uncomfort to become better players. That to me is huge. I need to work on my wedge gapping. I need to hit less balls, go through more routine stuff. I think that's another amazing like yeah, tip right there. You know, no one really talks about that on, on the golf channel. I mean, that's so valuable. It's just putting yourself and your mind in a place 
where it feels like it's on the golf course because then you're going to be able to execute. Um, but other than that, man, I'm pumped that you're you're dialed, and I'm super excited that you're you know you came back on. So, closing words: Where can people find you, John? Well, they can uh, they can find me at the home course in Dupont, Washington. You can go on our website, and all my information's on there. If you want to shoot me an email, it's john.cassidy at thehomecourse.com. Um, and yeah, I'd like to hear I'd like to hear from anybody if they'd like like to get some help. And one thing I'll add to that practicing thing. Like take 10 golf balls, say if you're a drawer of the golf ball, take 10 golf balls and say, okay, I'm going to start, see how many of these balls I can start right of the flag with a draw without it coming down left of the flag. Or if you're a cutter, do the opposite, right? Or if you're working on your driving, take 10 balls and create 10 fake fairways on the driving range and see how many out of these 10 balls I can get in the fairway, picking a different fairway and a different shot each time, right? Going through your routine. So it's, it's, Little things like that that you can do can make a big difference and it'll add a little bit of like meaning and a little bit of like, like a goal, like you're, you're trying to accomplish something, right? Like have something you're trying to accomplish and have a beginning and an end to your practice. And I think that if you can do that and incorporate that in, you'll feel like you've accomplished a lot more when you get through with your session, but it'll also help you build confidence that, hey, if I can do this X amount of times out of 10, I should be able to do this on the golf course too. Thank you.